repeat after me. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. 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 Om Jnana Timirandhasya Jnana Janashalakaya Chakshurun Militam Jena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namah Shri Chaitanya Manobhishtam Stapitam Jena Bhutale Swam Rupaha Kadamajam Dadati Swapadantika Vandeyaham Shri Guraha Shri Utapadakamalam Shri Gurun Vaishnavamscha Shri Rupam Sagrajatam Sagana Raghunathanditam Tam Sajivam Sadvaitam Savadhutam Parijana Sahita Krishna Chaitanya Devam Shri Radha Krishna Padan Sagana Lalita Shri Vishakanditamscha Hey Krishna Karuna Sindhu Dina Bandhu Jagatpate Gopesha Gopika Kanta Radha Kanta Namastate Tapta Kanchana Gaurangi Radhe Vrindavanishpari Vrishabhana Sate Devi Pranamami Hari Priye Panchakalpa Trubhescha Kripasandubya Evacha Patitanam Pavanebhyo Vaishnavebhyo Namo Nama Namaum Vishnu Padaya Krishna Prishtaya Bhutale Srimate Bhakti Vedanta Swaminiti Namine Namaste Saraswati Deve Guravani Pracharine Nirvishesh Shunyavadi Paschata Deshatarine Jaya Sri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Gadadhara Shivasadikura Bhakta Vrinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare 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 Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare 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 Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare Jai Shri Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu Ki Jai Shri Prabhupada Ki Jai Okay, so we finished with chapter number 15 last time, okay. So we're doing chapter 16. So, chapter 16 describes the process of Raganuga Bhakti or spontaneous devotional service in practice. How does one practice spontaneous devotional service? Alright. So Prabhupada describes that the Raganuga Bhakti, in Raganuga Bhakti, a Raganuga Bhakta is one who follows in the footsteps of Ragatmika Bhaktas, an eternal associate of the Lord. Now in the previous uh, chapter, The description of Ragatmika Bhakti had been given. 
The definition of ragatmika bhakti is spontaneous attraction for something while completely absorbed in thoughts of it and with an intense desire of love. So there were two types uh, of ragatmika bhakti uh, practices. One is called kama rupa and the other is called sambandha rupa. Sambandha rupa is the type where uh, where there is love in marriage or what we call uh, 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 Swakya Ras. Swakya Ras is Hare Krishna. Practice of Krishna consciousness uh, or the highest form of Krishna consciousness uh, where the devotees actually have relationships, family relationships. And uh, uh, then the, the Parakya ones, which is the dwellers, the forest dwellers of Vrindavan. They're known as the Kamarupa uh, uh, devotees. Kamarupa uh, is sensual attraction, like the gopis have. They have lusty desires versus transcendental lusty desires. So they lusty their desires, but they also transcendental lusty desires. And it's manifest in Braja, the forest of Vrindavan, praised by exalted souls such as Uddhava and Lord Chaitanya. And and then there is one that's called Kama Praya in between the two, in between the ones that are in family relationships to the ones who are in uh, non-family relationships. Let's just put it that way. Uh, like the gopis, they're not married to Krishna. They're not related to Krishna. Uh, Kama Rupa. Yeah, Kama Rupa are those who are not related to Krishna. This one is called Kamya Rupa. Or Kama Praya, sorry. Kama Praya. Kama Praya. And Kama Praya is in between. They're like almost lusty desire. And the example is given of uh, Kubja. Kubja was that uh, uh, um, hunched back um, lady who had a very strong uh, attraction to Krishna and wanted to uh, enjoy with him uh, as a uh, as a lover like that conjugal to have a conjugal relationship with him and so she actually gave Krishna a gift and as a result of the gift Krishna became happy and she her her form changed from a hunched back old lady to a very beautiful girl, so beautiful that nobody in Mathura was as beautiful as as Kupja. She became the most beautiful girl in Kupja. Not only that, her house became transformed into a castle, uh, a very big castle, beautiful, very beautiful castle. Many many maid servants like that, many servants in the castle like that. And uh, so she then invited Krishna to her place so that she could enjoy with him. So she was almost like the gopis, but the difference was that in the case of the gopis, the gopis' love for Krishna is uh, selfless. It is uh, its only purpose is to please Krishna. They're not really into their own uh, into their own sense enjoyment. They they do enjoy their senses. It's not like they don't. They do enjoy their senses, 
but that's not their purpose. Just like uh, in this world, the closest that we come to love of any type in this world is the love that a mother has for her little baby. So when she is serving her little baby, she's not thinking about her own happiness. She's only thinking about the happiness of the baby. But as she is dealing with the baby, she feels a lot of happiness too. She automatically feels a lot of happiness because it's natural that when you have real happiness, when you give somebody real happiness, then you will also get real happiness. Now that's not Kama Rupa. That's still not Kama Rupa. That's Samanda Rupa because it's relationship, right? Mother and baby have a relationship. But if there was no relationship and the same thing happened, you cared about someone more than you care about your own baby, what would that be like? That now we're trying to come to understand what is called transcendental love, or the love of the Brajabhasis uh, for, uh, for Krishna. And amongst those Brajabhasis, there are two categories, uh, those who are in married relationships, now remember, those who are in married relationship, it's not like they're trying to please Krishna for their pleasure either. They're not either. They're not trying to please Krishna for their pleasure. They're trying to please Krishna for Krishna's pleasure. Everybody in Brajbhumi has pristine, selfless love for Krishna with no um, uh, desire for a return favor, you know, like a payback or reward. None of them have neither whether they're in a relationship or they're not in a relationship. Only difference is that those who are in a not, not in relationship, they, uh, uh, they actually please Krishna more. It's just Krishna feels more pleasure from them. Because when you're in a relationship, there is some, at least some connection. To do something for a total stranger is very different from doing something for somebody you know. You know, if someone, if a total stranger comes and does something for you and you have no relationship with them, that would be amazing. If a friend came and did the same thing for you, whilst it might still be amazing, it is not as amazing because they're a friend. You know, okay. a friend is a person who does do favors for their friends, loves their friend, does something for their friends. Stranger, not so much. So here, Prabhupada talks about, for the Raganuga Bhakti, means one who follows in the footsteps of Aragatmika Bhakta. Aragatmika Bhakta is already in Raga, already in that selfless, giving love to Krishna, very attached to Krishna, very intimately related to Krishna. That's Aragatmika Bhakta. Alright, so now, Hare Krishna Prabhu, come ready. And then the one who's following the Ragatmika Bhakta is called the Raganuga Bhakta. So if we just follow them, you become a Raganuga Bhakta. And the Raganuga Bhakta will go back to Godhead. You will go back to Godhead. And back to Godhead comes in two forms. First it comes in the form of in the material world, and secondly it comes in the form of in the spiritual world, original spiritual world. Although there's no difference. In the material world, if you are with Krishna while he's performing his pastimes, it's just like performing his pastimes in the spiritual world. He doesn't do anything different. He doesn't 
bring it down one notch and say, okay, for the material world, I have a second class way of doing relationships. And the spiritual world, I have first class way of doing relationships. It's not like that. Hare Krishna, bro. Hare Krishna. There's no first class, second class. As far as Krishna is concerned, he will love his gopi friends and gopa friends and Mother Yashoda and anybody else as much as he does in the spiritual world, in the material world. So there is no comparison to that in the material world. Like in the material world, we talk about a drama, okay? Say you are part of a drama that is considered a very famous, famous drama troupe, right? Like say, for example, Broadway, right? Broadway in the U.S. is considered to be a very famous uh, location for dramas. The Broadway musicals, Broadway drama that they do. These are considered like one of the best spots to do drama. Okay, so when you do that drama, before you do the drama, you do the practice, right? So that's called a... It's called a rehearsal, that's right. But you don't expect in the rehearsal the same quality as you expect in the drama. The quality is not the same. But here, the quality is the same. In the material world, where we go to, where Krishna is going to prepare us finally, just last... The finishing touches, like they say, right? Making sure that everything is perfect about us. There, the relationship he has with us is just as good as the relationship in the spiritual world. So how fortunate we are. That, that's why we say that the devotee goes back to Godhead. Back to Godhead doesn't just mean to the spiritual world. It also means wherever Krishna is performing his pastime, is also back to Godhead. Because Krishna is actually there. The full Krishna is there. It's not like a partial Krishna. If you're in the forest of Vrindavan, in the Bhoma Leela, it's called Bhoma Leela. When Leela happens in the material world, it's called Bhoma Leela. So, the, in the forest of Vrindavan, in Bhoma Leela, it's the same as forest of Vrindavan in the Nitya Leela of Krishna. Nitya Leela means the eternal pastimes of Krishna that are going on in the spiritual world. So we're very fortunate. And what is the eligibility? The first eligibility, Prabhupada says, is, I mean, the first thing that we should know before the eligibility is that to become eligible, we have to follow in the footsteps of Ragatmika Bhaktis, those who are already Ragatmika. So who is already Ragatmika? Yeah, the gopis are Ragatmika. All the Vrindavan Vasis are Ragatmika. Who else is Ragatmika? Huh? Sorry? Yeah, those who are in Dwarka. All the devotees in Dwarka are in Ragatmika. Yeah, no, they're in they're in full Prema Bhakti. When you're in with Krishna, you're not in Baba Bhakti, you're in Prema Bhakti. Prema Bhakti is full, full, full devotion. Gopis are Ragatmika. They're Ragatmika, we just described Ragatmika. They're Ragatmika. So they have intense love. So yeah, the, the, those who are in Krishna Loka do have intense love for Krishna. There is an intense love there. So that is, that is part of Prema Bhakti. Yeah, that's part of Prema Bhakti. But point is that we have, we have to become their followers. We're just trying to figure out who should we be following. So you can follow those who are residents of Dwarka. You can follow those who are residents of Mathura. You can follow the residents of Vrindavan. Right? And who else do you follow? One other? 
Narajmani is also is not Ragatmika. You can say that he is a uh, well, he is Ragatmika. Yeah, he does go to uh, Vrindavan also. So he's Ragatmika. Yeah, but he but but I'm talking about places, people of some place. Huh? Udavya. They're all from. Uh, they're, they're all from Krishna Loka. Yes. Yeah. Where does Lochetane come from? Shweta Dweep, right? Navadweep, Navadweep, like you say, Shweta Dweep. It's called Shweta Dweep. In the spiritual world, Navadweep is known as Shweta Dweep because it's all white and it's in the center of this huge lotus flower that is called uh, uh, Krishna Loka. And I mean, uh, yeah. And in that, the center part is the forest of Vrindavan. And in the center of that center part is a place called Shweta Dweepa, where Lord Chaitanya and his uh, associates. So they are also Ragatmika Bhaktis. So you can follow them as well. So now we know who we can follow, who are we supposed to follow. Okay? And then, to become eligible, there are two parts. How do you become eligible to become a follower? And how do you become eligible to do that, to do what you're supposed to, what is the methodology, like eligibility and methodology. So as far as eligibility is concerned, the first part of eligibility is that there should be intense longing to become a follower. Intense longing, because that means that it's my real desire. When you intensely want something, means it's what you really want. Because lots of times our mind thinks I want something, but then it sort of gives it up after a while, says, no, I don't want that, I think I want something else. You know, it's sort of like, it progresses from one level of desire to the next, to the next, to the next. But when it comes to something that's just your intense desire, if you had that, that's it, that's what you want. That is the first eligibility point. So it has to be an intense desire on our part. So what will create that intense desire also has to be seen. Because there's always three things that create intense desire. Anything that create anything, three things. One is the positive, one is the negative, and the other is the neutral. You see, The positive are those things that actually encourage you to, to uh, want to do something. Like say, for example, uh, you know, if you want to uh, get a job and work for Google, what would be one of the positives that would make you want to go and work for Google? Money, yeah. Google might be offering a very good pay. Okay, so that'll become a positive reason, right? What else might be a positive reason? Huh? Prestige, yeah. I'm a Google employee. Google employees may have some prestige. The employees of Google, you know, like that. So, so things like that, so positive things. So in Krishna consciousness, what would be positive that attracts us to Krishna? Gives us intense longing, intense longing. We have to understand these two words, intense and longing. Intense longing means that's all you think about day and night. That's an intense longing. What do you think would give us intense longing like that? Love. Love, yeah, love. Relief from suffering. Huh? Relief from suffering. No, relief from suffering will not give you positive. That's not positive, that's negative. That's a good one for negative. Negative is relief. You're looking for relief, that's negative uh, impulse that helps you go towards something. Like I said, there's a positive impulse, a negative impulse, and there's a neutral impulse. Okay? Love is more like a neutral impulse. It's not a positive impulse. Because it's perfect. Love is perfect, right? So it will itself draw you automatically. You don't have to... It, it's not... 
It's not something that you think, oh, this is a great advantage here. I'll get to love. You already are a lover. You already like to love. So that's not what's so much positive. So it's more neutral. Yes. Service, yeah. Service. Service is neutral also. Service is an expression of love. It's neutral. It's not positive. Positive, positive, positive. Happiness of Krishna, right? Happiness. Krishna's happiness would be positive. To make Krishna happy, wouldn't that be a good reason to want to go there? To Krishna Loka? To have intense longing for Krishna? I want to do that because I want to please Krishna? That's positive, right? So if Krishna tells you, I'm happy if you come back to the forest of Vrindavan, then we think, oh yes, I should also go to Vrindavan. See, Krishna is happy. It's going to make Krishna happy. It's going to make Radharani happy. It's going to make the gopis happy. It's going to make the cows happy. Right? So that happiness is something that's going to draw us. Positive. Neutral, you gave love. Negative is things that actually you want to reject that cause you to go towards. You know? It's just like you might say, when a rocket is taking off, right? What is the positive force that makes it move forward? What positive force makes it move forward? For a rocket, none of us scientists down here, right? None of us engineers. That's the problem. Mm, that would be negative. That would be negative. It is pushing against neg- against the gravitational force with the the force of the, uh, the, the, the what you call the fire and the uh, air that's pushing, right? Against the earth that pushes it up. So pushing it against the earth, pushing it up, that's negative. That's Negative is making you move. You see what I'm saying? What is positively making you move? The same thing. Yeah, no, no, no. In the, in the, in the rocket, what is in the rocket that makes it move up? The fuel, right? Fuel makes it move up? Fuel, the fuel burns, and what does fuel do? When the fuel burns, what's, what happens? Thrust. It creates a thrust. And the thrust is negative because it's pushing against something that's keeping you there, and you're pushing away from it, so it takes you away from it, right? But what creates the thrust in the first place is the positive thing. So the positive thrust is created by Krishna's uh, beauty. Krishna's, uh, Krishna is so beautiful. I want to meet Krishna. He's so beautiful. Krishna will become happy to see me. Oh, I want to see Krishna because he'll, he'll make him happy. Krishna is so attractive. He plays the flute so nicely. I want to hear the flute. You see? I want to meet his wonderful devotees. They're so wonderful. These are all positives. So this is what creates longing. This is why it is said, there is nothing more powerful in this world than Krishna Katha. Because Krishna Katha, you get to hear the qualities of Krishna. You get to hear the pastimes of Krishna. And when you hear and you read about the pastimes of Krishna and you uh, 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 take part in that, in that Krishna Katha by yourself entering into that Katha while it's happening. Imagining yourself to be there while the description is being given. We, like the other day, uh, uh, Dhanabandhu Prabhu was giving class. You know, we could imagine that lady who was trying to sell fruits and how she's selling fruits, she starts singing Krishna's names. And then she's walking, you know, and, and you can imagine her walking and you can imagine her singing Krishna's names. And you know, it's just you, you, like you're in the scene. You're right there in the scene. That's Krishna Katha. And that is what the chanting of the holy name does. 
when you chant with meaning, it transports you into that. That is why the holy name chanting is considered most important, because that's what it does to you. And also reading about Krishna's pastimes, because it, when you talk about Krishna, we talk about his form, right? We talk about what else we talk about? Uh, his qualities, what else we talk about? His pastimes, what else? I just said the number one thing first. His name, right? His name, his paraphernalia, his entourage. Entourage means his, uh, the company that he keeps. All of this is talking about Krishna. So our idea is that we have to develop intense longing. And the second is the, the negative side, which is freedom from material contamination. Because material contamination is what cuts away at the longing. It cuts the longing down. It's like the tree is growing and I'm cutting it. Then the tree is growing and I'm cutting it again before the tree can actually give fruits, and, I mean flowers and fruits. Because you've got to let the tree grow enough, right? Then the flowers come, then the fruits come, right? Flowers turn into uh, blossoms and the blossoms turn into fruit. But before it hits the flower stage, I cut it. The tree will grow again. It will grow again. But we just lost all the growth that was happening, right? Before that. So this is what material contamination does. What it does, it cuts the tree. Cuts the tree off. The tree is the tree of the desire, the longing, the kalpa viksha, the, the longing for Krishna, which is the real kalpa viksha. So that's the eligibility. And then the methodology is that one should live in Vrindavan or constantly meditate on living there. Prabhupada gave this wonderful example. Krishna gave, gave Prabhupada gives the wonderful example uh, in uh, he gives the wonderful example in uh, uh, Beyond Birth and Death. He says the meaning the meaning of life is to live with Krishna on that spiritual planet, Golok Vrindavan, always. That's the meaning of life. The meaning of life is to live with Krishna on that spiritual planet, Golok Vrindavan, because that's where the forest of Vrindavan is, always. And then he continues, comma, he says, and one is simply waiting to give up this material body. And we're simply waiting to give up this material body. Because we're always living with Krishna on the spiritual planet, Golok Vrindavan. That is the mood of the devotee. That I'm with Krishna in the Golok Vrindavan. I'm just waiting for my body to be given up, then I'm there. That's it. There's nothing else important to me. Yes? That's the example that's being given here. Because when you say that the uh, uh, gopis, what you said, they were... They have, they don't know that he is a supreme person. Yeah, you may say that, no, but it's not like they don't know. They do know. 
the gopis know that krishna is the greatest in fact they are his guru so how can the guru not know you know what i'm saying so they do know but their knowledge is covered by yoga maya for the past times to happen because if they continue to behave like krishna is the supreme personality of godhead then the intensity of the love will become less if they behave on the basis that krishna is the supreme personality of godhead the intensity of love will become less because it will be lessened by what what will in- lessen the intensity yeah. ah, the oil reference right the oil reference will start taking over so an oil reference is like a weed and and pure love is like a beautiful flower so beautiful flowers growing in the garden and the weeds grow and what do the weeds do they overcrowd the flower and then the flower actually dies a flower cannot live because the weeds overcrowd the flower you see what i'm saying so oil reverence are weeds when it comes to ragatmika bhakti oil reverence is like weeds are growing so the gopis their oil reverence is covered by weed be gone and their weed be gone is yoga maya yoga maya comes like weed be gone she sprays herself out there and all the weeds die only the flowers are surviving the weeds all dead you see what i'm saying because there's no other way to kill, kill the weeds you cannot kill the weeds by your own effort because the weed is a very powerful weed oil reverence is very powerful it's very natural to a, a soul to be in oil reverence it's natural it's built into the soul's system to be oil reverent so the only way you can get rid of that oil reverence is with the help of yoga maya and yoga maya will get rid of that if two things happen i desire that i want to love krishna so that he can become happiest and two if krishna is happy to receive my love like in that way these two things must be there you see what i'm saying so the gopis do know that krishna is the supreme personality of godhead the gopis do not get married that's another thing we say they are married but they actually don't get married because how did they get married in the first case um they have husbands right no but but let, let, okay, let's let's talk about that that's why i'm saying they don't have husbands you are saying they have husbands i am saying they do not have husbands so we are answering that question how is that true question is who were their husbands who were their husbands now let him answer let him answer who were their husbands like the brahmanas the brahmanas no the brahmanas never got how did the brahmanas get married to no the story is guess you, you know you may have heard it but might be something that not occurring to you right now but the story is that at one time brahma and we have that big painting on our wall brahma stole the cows and the calves and the cowherd boys and he put them in the cave right the gufa and then he came back outside again and he saw all the cows and the calves and the uh, cowherd boys there and he thought well, how did that happen i just put them inside the cave and i put the huge rocks on the uh, front of the cave so the they can't come out you see because he wanted to teach krishna a lesson you little boy i was the one who created the whole universe and you know they're giving you so much love and affection like you know like you are the greatest person on the world in the world when i am the one who actually created the whole material world why are they giving you so much uh affection and you know love and attention and 
things like that. So he felt a little insulted. I did all the hard work, somebody else getting the credit here, you know, little boy getting the credit. So they wanted to teach the little boy a lesson. So he took all his friends away, all his cows, all his calves, I mean, uh, yeah, and put them in the goof and came back to see what the little boy will do now. So when he came back, what happened? He saw all the cows and calves and the cowherd boys there. So he thought, how did they escape? I just locked them there. Those rocks are not easy to move. I can move them because I'm Brahma. I can carry big rocks, heavy rocks. I can make a planet spin. You know what I mean? In space. How did they move these rocks, you know? So he went and he moves the rocks himself. He looks at them. They're all still inside there. The cows are there, the calves are there, and the cowherd boys are there. So he closes it again. And he comes back again here. Right? In the meantime, while this is happening, we know that who are the cows and the calves and the cowherd boys? Krishna expansions, right? So who else knew this? Who else knew that this was happening? Who knows everything that's happening in the spiritual world at all times? Who? Yeah, Yuga Maya. And what is her name? As What is one of her names? In, she's Purnamashi, right? Purnamashi is who? The grandmother. The grandmother of... Uh, uh, Radharani is Purnamashi, right? Okay, so Purnamashi knew that these are all Krishna expanding as cowherd boys. So she made the arrangement. All the gopis, you wanted to get married. Time is for you to get married. You're all eligible girls now. Get married. So he got them all married. So who were the girls married? They did not have any other husband, right? Yeah, yeah. And who are those ladies who come to him? His own wives. Because what happens is, to complete the story, after Brahma finds out, when he comes back out again, he sees, this time, what does he see this time? He sees everybody in Vishnu forms, right? Everybody is in a four-handed form. So he realizes, oh, this is my Supreme Lord. I remember now, I couldn't create for 3,000 kalpas and I prayed and Krishna came and he told me how to... Oh, that's that Krishna has come now as a little boy. I didn't know he was a little boy. I thought he was a young... You know, when I saw him, he looked like a 16-year-old, 17-year-old. Right now, he looks like a 6-year-old. You know, how did he become a 6-year-old? 16-year-old, you know what I mean? It's just like, you know, you know somebody who is a 16-year-old, right? The next time you go and see him, he looks like a 6-year-old. I think that's going to be a little surprising. You don't going to think it's the same person. You're going to think that's somebody else. That's not him. Because the one I know is 16 years old, not 6 years old. Especially if the size and everything is different, you know. 16-year-old is this big, and 6-year-old is this big. But you're going to say, how did he go from there to here? That's not the same person. So that's why Krishna was, Abrahma was, bewildered. So then, he offered his obeisances to uh, Krishna, and uh, begged forgiveness of Krishna. And Krishna really didn't forgive him. Because... He tried to hurt his friends, his cows, and his calves. You don't mess with Krishna's cows and calves especially. Friends you mess with, he'll also not like it too much, but he'll, he knows his friends are very smart too. So, But cows and calves you don't mess with with Krishna. It's the reason the material world suffers so much, because they hurt the cows and the calves. It's the only reason why this world is suffering. It's the cows and the calves that they're hurting. So, 
really, basically, that's the major reason. I mean, it's not the only reason, the major reason, but you might say it's the 80% reason, 20% other things, but 80%. Okay, so point is that then what happened was they came back, right? This cowherd men came back, and they went home, and they found they all had wives. They didn't know they got married. So when they home, and at home, they found their wives waiting for them now at home. You know what I mean? And the parents told them, that's your wife. You're surprised seeing a woman in your house? That's your woman. That's, she's your wife now. Oh, I, that's my wife. Okay. <laughs> All right, so they had wives and, you know, they have children and whatever else. You see what I'm saying? But the gopis who were actually married to Krishna, when the cowherd men came back and claimed their wives, that was not the same woman. Not the same woman. They were what we call What's the English word we use for that? Replicas. They were replicas. So the replicas, when the time came for Krishna to play his flute in the middle of the night, the gopis who came to him were his wives. The gopis who stayed back were the replicas. The husbands did not see the wife leave. Please try to understand this. When the gopis came to dance with Krishna in the middle of the night, and they're in the forest. The gopis are still there with the husbands in their beds and in their kitchens and in their wherever else they are in the house. You understand the point? They did not leave. The husbands didn't think, where's my wife gone? Because if the husband had found out the wife was not there and would have gone next to her and said, hey, is your wife home? No, my wife's not home either. Is your, no. Hey, what's happening here? Where have all our wives gone? Who took over our wives? They would know that. These are not intelligent, unintelligent people. They're very intelligent people. But Krishna knew that. These guys are very intelligent. So he pulled the replica out, pulled the original person out, left the replica there. You see what I'm saying? So the husbands thought, oh, my wife is still here with me. Nothing wrong. Everything's normal. And persons who are dancing with Krishna on the other side, they're his original girlfriends. You see what I mean? They got married to who? Not really. They got married to Krishna's expansion, right? Krishna expanded as the coward boy. Uh, so they got married to expansions. Now those expansions, what happened to those expansions when the cowherd boys came back? Huh? Yeah. No, they merged with the coward. Man, they merged. So now the coward men have got two, uh, what do you call, uh, uh, double feature. You know, you ever go into a movie and you see a double feature movie? Double feature going on here. Double, double role going on. Dual role going on. Yeah, thank you. Dual role. Yeah, it's a dual role person now. It's not a single role person. So it depends what role is being played that a feature is being achieved. You understand the point? So the gopis never married. The gopis are parakya ras people. They're not interested in marriage. They do talk about marriage though. They, why they you know why they talk about marriage? What is their interest in getting married? Why do you think the gopi wants to get married to Krishna? Yes, exactly. So that she can be with him all the time. Now, tell me this. Are the gopis with Krishna all the time? The answer is yes. Because there is one form of Krishna for every person in the forest of Vrindavan. So that form of Krishna is always with you. But Krishna plays tricks. More than Krishna playing tricks, it's Yogamaya playing tricks. She plays tricks. She makes you think your person is not there now. And you start looking for that person. One person is right there. Yoga Maya can make Radharani think Krishna is not there while she's sleeping on the lap of Krishna. 
Krishna is there, Yoga Maya is, Radharani is sleeping on the lap, and suddenly she thinks, where did Krishna go? And she starts crying. Oh, my Krishna left me. When will he come back again? And Krishna is home. And Krishna starts crying. She says, what's happening? She's crying, I'm crying, both of them are crying. You know? And who's making this happen? Who's making all these emotions come out and make it all happen? It's Yoga Maya. That is why more powerful than Krishna is Yoga Maya. That is why it is said that when you go to Vrindavan, you must go to the temple of Yoga Maya and pray at the temple of Yoga Maya. Because she is very powerful. She can even fool Krishna. She can bewilder Krishna. Nobody can bewilder Krishna. Yoga Maya can bewilder Krishna. Why? Because Krishna has given her that power. You can do this to me. You see what I'm saying? So, this way we understand Parakya and Svakya. So, and then we're not saying one is superior or inferior to the other because that is not our business. Those who are in Svakya, Svakya is the most powerful. For those who are in Parakya, Parakya is the most powerful. A married person should not think unmarried life is best. But then he will become or she will become unfaithful. You have to, wherever you, in whichever status you're in, you have to honor that status. And the unmarried person can't think that I'm going to marry somebody just so that I can have more enjoyment. No, that's not the purpose of marriage. Unmarried behaves like an unmarried person and a married person behaves like a married person. So Swakya Ras people behave like Swakya devotees, Parakya Ras people behave like Parakya Ras. But Yoga Maya comes in between and mixes it all up. And it becomes very confusing and everybody doesn't know what's happening and it's all so that everybody can have a better time. She increases the fun. She's like the spice that makes the curry taste a little better now that it's spiced. In the right way. Not overspiced. Spiced. Okay. What's the name of the temple? Yoga Maya Temple. I just call the Yoga Maya Temple. You go to Vindavan and ask them, Temple of Yoga Maya, they'll show you. Krishna's sister, who might say sometimes, where is Krishna's sister? Subhadra is uh, in uh, in uh, Dwarka. She's not in Vindavan anymore. But did she play the same role? She also, yeah, she is also sister. She's also sister of Krishna. Whether she is Yoga Maya, sometimes people do say she is Mahamaya. Yeah. And so. Whether she plays that role, I think it would be up to Krishna. But they say that even an ordinary living entity can become Subhadra. Yoga Maya is not an ordinary living entity. She is never an ordinary living entity. She is always Nitya Siddha. An ordinary Jeev can never become Yoga Maya. Just like ordinary Jeev cannot become Krishna. So ordinary Jeev cannot become Yoga Maya. So like that. So if it's Subhadra time, different times, different situations. You might say. There is no mention of Subhadra in Vrindavan. In Vrindavan there is no Subhadra. No, because oh. there's Yoga Maya, no? she's the sister. Yoga Maya and Krishna were born together at the same time, right? Okay. In Vrindavan. Yeah. They're twins. So, Yoga Maya is the sister. Krishna is the brother. Yoga Maya is the sister. And they're twins. Same age, same time. And who came first? Out of the womb of Mother Yashoda? Yoga Maya, right? Yeah. And then came Krishna. So, who's elder? No. When a Krishna. twin comes out, Krishna. the first twin that's born is not the oldest. The one that comes second is the oldest. Because the oldest one goes in, then the young one comes behind. And when they come out, this one comes first, then this one comes. You see what I'm saying? So you can tell that Krishna is the elder brother. Even though they're twins, he is older. Yes, Guruji. 
They merged with uh, the no no the, they they did not merge the the expansions of Krishna merged into the uh, with the uh, what you call Calvary. Calvary. Which duplicates are you talking about? The duplicates of the gopis. Are they with the gopis? They also merged with the gopis. So at the right time, the duplicates separate, and the other times they are together again. So who are they? Are they like Duratmas or are they? No, they're not so. No, the, the, the duplicates who are there, meaning the, uh, the gopis who actually uh, are, are duplicates, they are, they are actually expansions that Krishna creates for the purpose of being duplicates. Krishna manifests them as duplicates, just like you might have an original letter and you create a duplicate, right? So where did the duplicate come from? came from the original. See what I mean? Manifested by who? By you, because you, you copied, right? Using the machine, you copied. So in the same way, Krishna can create duplicates of any person. There's another place where these big duplicates are created, and that's in Dwarka. There is a place in Dwarka called Nava Vrindavan. There, all these are duplicates. They duplicate rather, uh, duplicate uh, uh, Brindadevi, duplicate gopis, you know? Gopis are there, they're duplicates. Yeah. Duplicate Madhu Mangal. It's kind of a little bit difficult to understand. Madhu may not be duplicate, I have to take that back. Madhu is duplicate, but he is not really a duplicate. Sorry. He's always with Krishna in the, in the, uh, in the castle. He doesn't just stay in the forest. I mean, in the Navabindam. Sorry, you were saying it's difficult. What is difficult? I was saying it's kind of difficult, difficult to understand. Yeah, yeah. Krishna is all powerful as the supreme personality of controller Godhead. Controller. The two aspects to the Supreme Personality of Godhead as controller and as lover. What we're talking about is the lover. The lover is more powerful than controller, right? Let's put it this way. If someone was controlling you in your life and somebody else purely loved you in your life, which person to you would be more attractive? Sorry? Yeah. Controller, nobody really likes controllers around, right? Nobody likes to be controlled. They like to be free. You see what I'm saying? So, the lover is the more powerful. So Krishna, in the spiritual world, as the lover is Krishna, and as the controller is Narayan. So Narayan, in Narayan Loka, he sits very high up on a stage, you know, many, many, many steps. Now you can't go there. You pay your obeisance from here, and Namo Namo from here. You can't put your hand around Narayan and say, Hey, bud, what's going on? What's up? You know? You can't do anything like that. You can't become his superior. You cannot become superior to Narayan. But in Krishna's case, everybody in, in Golok Vrindavan is superior to Krishna. Even the cow, cow, the calf. The calf is superior to Krishna. The calf bosses Krishna around. You know? Krishna wants to play with the calf. The calf runs away. He drags his tail, holds his tail, and Krishna gets sloshed around everywhere, you know. He's trying to hang on to the tail of the calf, and the calf is running, you know. So from Krishna's point of view, the calf is controlling him. 
Now that's not easy to understand how Krishna can allow others to become superior to him, but it is understandable from the point of view of love. That when you really fall in love with another person, you do allow that person to control you, to actually uh, manage your life in some ways. This is why you see sometimes they're very, very powerful personalities, very strong personalities. And then another personality who's like nobody is more powerful than they are. Right? Like, say, for example, I mean, I can only quote in the movies. Sometimes you see that in the movies, you see that. It happens in reality, but movies sometimes show that, especially in the movies. You see this guy is very powerful, you know what I mean? He can do anything he wants. And then his little kid comes, and then he has to do whatever the little kid wants. You know? Suddenly, the most powerful person is controlled by the by the child. You know? Prabhupada gives this example of the Supreme Judge, Supreme Court Judge. Because in the United States, we have a tripartite system, right? There's the Congress, there's the Presidency, and there's the Supreme Court. All these three are equally powerful. So it's a three, three uh, system uh, program to run the country, right? So the Supreme Court judge, whoever is the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court in the United States of America, is like the President. He's a very powerful person. So the Prabhupada gives the example that when you're in the Supreme Court, he is the most powerful person. If he says this is the law, if he gives a ruling, that's the final ruling, right? You can't do much about it. That's it. Final ruling. But when he goes home, his little kid jumps on his back and says, Giddy up, horsey, you're my horsey, you know. And he goes down in his fours and he acts like a horse for his little child, for his child, his child is climbing on his back and making him play horsey. But if you try to climb on his back in the Supreme Court and call him horsey there, you know, they give you a special accommodation. <laughs> you know, you get paid accommodation with food and everything. <laughs> no freedoms, but yeah, free, free prashadam. <laughs> free food. <laughs> anyway, so the thing is that you can't do that, you see there. So with Narayan, you cannot do things that you can do with Krishna, like become superior to him, like Purnamashi does, Yogamaya does, everybody does. The cows, Krishna actually worships the cows in Vrindavan. He worships them, not just loves them, he worships them. He has own reverence for them. And they get angry with him and they stop giving milk because they, he has own reverence for them. He doesn't, they don't want to either. And then he has to go and steal butter to make them feel good again so that they'll start giving milk again. That's why he was stealing butter. Because they refused to give milk. And so when Krishna had to show them that I really love you. And how do you love it? I'll steal butter. I'll steal the butter so that to, to, to tell people that, look, I'm ready to give up my reputation for my cows. Then the cows felt, oh, okay, you love me. Then they continued giving milk like that. Sorry? Because the cows are his mother, he considers them his mother. And the relationship between child and mother, son and mother, is very special. It's a very special bond. The original bond between Krishna and his mothers, the superior most of whom is Mother Yashoda, is very, very powerful. You cannot imagine how much Krishna loves his mother. When Krishna's mother is around, Radharani can't do much. Krishna will go to his mother. 
you know. That's why Radharani likes being in the forest. She doesn't like coming around. Where, when she comes to Krishna's house, she only goes into the kitchen. That's all. And she's not seen. She's working in the kitchen. That's all. But outside of Krishna's house, Radharani is the queen. Krishna actually does exactly what Radharani wants. But when the mother is around, then he'll go straight to the mother. You're saying that This Ragatmika, not Raganuga. Raganuga is one who follows somebody who is in Ragatmika. It's called Raganuga. Raganuga Bhakti means the follower of one who is in Ragatmika. These are Ragatmika devotees, yes. So they will not follow the Kathakrishna Yeah, they're all Ragatmika. They all have intense love for Krishna. But in Samandarupa, yeah. Samandarupa means we're having a relationship. And those who don't have relationship are called Kamarupa. Their whole thing is just lust. They're into the relationship. Because there's no relationship. There's just pure lusting for one another, loving loving one another so deeply that it's called lust. Unlike here, the lust is the wrong way of loving. That's a different type of lust. There's also a difference between you said earlier and the followers of Dwaraka, but there's a difference in the mode between the followers of Dwaraka. Yes, yeah. The followers of Dwarka have some, uh, uh, what you call, some taste for opulence outside of the natural opulence of uh, the forest. The natural opulence of the forest are things like gems, flowers, fruits, water, trees, clouds, right? In a forest, that's what you find. Okay? These people are into buildings, building structures, castles, in the forest, you don't find castles. See what I'm saying? So the forest dwellers have a different uh, standard of beauty. These people's standard of beauty is different. So there's a difference in the standard of beauty, standard of love, standard of uh, value, the difference. The forest dwellers are into completely into natural things that grow off their own accord. You don't have to uh, put things together, manufacture things, let's put it this way. Like this building you have to manufacture, right? The board has to manufacture. But the tree outside, nobody manufactured that tree. It grew on its own. So according to the forest dwellers, the tree outside is more important than this, all this house and everything. And in this world, would a house be considered more important or would the tree sitting outside the house be considered more important? Which one would be more important? Oh, see. The tree is how many dollars? Hundred dollars, hundred fifty dollars, right? Two hundred dollars for a nice tree. And the house is what? Two hundred thousand, three hundred thousand, four hundred thousand. It's no comparison, right? House is worth much more. Because our value has gone upside down. We're looking upside down. Our head is down and our feet is up, so we think everything upside down now. We're thinking this is more valuable when actually the natural situation is much more valuable. So who is enjoying more in this material world? The birds, you know, the bees, the natural creatures, the snakes, the worms, they're enjoying better than we are because they're enjoying totally everything naturally. And plus it's free, right? Bird doesn't have to pay, doesn't have to go and work for Microsoft and, you know, earn some money 
to build a nest in a tree. You can just get some items, put a nest, have a nice place to stay. And that nest, by the way, is as secure as this house is secure. Just like nest can fall down, house can also fall down. Right? Happens all the time. I remember my neighbor across the street, white lady, very nice lady. So this freak wind came the other day. A lot of rain came in Dallas suddenly. It was, I think it was a Thursday. It was on Thursday, yeah. There was a certain point when a freak wind came through, like 70 miles an hour. So it knocked some trees over. So one of the trees it knocked over was her tree. And it sort of smashed her fence and fell into partly into our own. We have a lot there next to her lot, an empty lot between Rasaraja's house and her house. So she came and knocked on my door. She said, is it okay if I can bring my truck to park in that lot so that we can pull that tree out? And she said, I said, yeah, obviously, yes, please, please go ahead and do that. You have my full permission. She said, normally I seek the permission of your person who looks after all the property at the Hawa Temple. I always talk to him, but I couldn't find him. But I know you're the president of the temple, so I thought I'd come and speak to you. I said, no, you, I, you have my full authority. Please go ahead, you can do that. And she said, you know, she said, everything is fine. The only thing I'm worried about is I was worried that there might have been a nest in that tree. <laughs> so she was worried about the bird who lost house. And I thought, you're a real devotee. I told her, you're a real devotee. You're a real devotee. When you said that, that my estimation of you went from here to way over there. You know? That's a real person. They think about other living entities. And she's, the, she's a really old lady, you know, and I sometimes wonder how she manages herself, you know? Again, you can see, like we can say, well, when a, when a, when a, uh, uh, a nest falls over, who cares? People care. Nature cares. So many people care. Just like if a house falls over, many people will care about it, right? The friends, the relatives will come and say, oh, what can we do to help you rebuild again? Hopefully you had some insurance, insurance company will pay, or run away from you, not make the payment or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's due to uh, due to the fact that we're not preaching. It's really our fault. We're not preaching. We're not reaching out to people and giving them the correct knowledge. We're not educating them the way they need education. We have to educate. This is why Prabhupada's whole intention was somehow to set up a movement of preachers and teachers so that we can reach out to people and get them to know this. It's actually in your best interest if we do things like this. Because let's put it this way, a lot of people who are right now in Hare Krishna were eating cow meat before they joined Hare Krishna. You know? And they have no interest in eating cow meat now. They don't like, they don't miss it or something, you know? Oh, I just, I'm restricted now from eating cow meat. No. They just have no interest in eating cow meat. Why? Because the knowledge took over once the knowledge takes over, then automatically you lose taste for the uh, ignorance, whatever is created by ignorance. 
So meat eating is a is a function of ignorance. It is the product of ignorance. So if we can preach and reach out to people, then you know, they will stop, and they will stop. They will stop. The uh, American government is right now. They're saying the number one worry, number one worry that the government has right now in America is the uh, shortage of cow meat available for eating. That's their number one problem. And so they decided some like five years ago or ten years ago to promote milk. You might have heard this whole ad coming out say, got milk. You know, they started promoting milk. The American government started promoting milk. Why they wanted to promote milk was so that if more people drink milk, then more cows can be raised to take care of the milk, and now they'll have more cows to eat also. The real purpose is to have more cows to eat. But if they make you drink the milk, then you have the more cows will come. And those cows will stop giving milk at a certain point, and then they can eat them. So now Hare Krishna, last year, Hare Krishna decided in America. year before that, they decided in, in Europe, but last year we decided in America, tell the devotees, stop drinking milk. Start a whole campaign that says, do not drink milk. Unless the cow is a cow that will not be slaughtered. The only milk you should drink is what we call violence-free milk. And that way, if we promote this idea, by the way, it's been started, and within two years, some farmers have decided they will not slaughter their cows. So that their milk is violence-free milk. And then that milk price goes from from the farmer's point of view, from $2 a gallon to $6 a gallon. Because violence-free milk is more expensive than normal milk. If you want that milk that is free of violence, you'll have to pay $7.50, $8, anywhere between $7.50 to $12.50 a gallon. Whereas normal milk in the store is sold for about $3 a gallon. Right? Sometimes still available, $2 and something a gallon. So now more and more milk is going to become violence-free milk. And that, Americans don't like, one, the American government does not like one little bit, that we're doing that. But for us, it doesn't matter what the American government likes or doesn't like. We're going to promote this idea that milk should not be drunk unless it comes from a cow that is not going to be slaughtered. Because that is, and that's why we are now okay with the vegan movement also. Before, at one time, we didn't like the vegan movement. Because the vegan movement did not like milk, right? So we did not like them. Now we see they are our best friends, because they don't drink milk, right? No dairy. They don't want no dairy. We're saying, very good, no dairy. Because from our, strategically, from our point of view, that makes like, a lot of sense. No dairy means no cow slaughter. I'd rather not drink milk than slaughter a cow. Because if you have a choice, if I drink milk, slaughter a cow, which one will I choose? Don't, don't drink the milk. Don't slaughter the cow. So now vegans are our best friends. Now you see a lot of Hare Krishna restaurants advertise vegan. We are vegan. Come to our place. But that's because we want this. Now, funny thing that's happening, all within these last two years, okay, one funny thing is happening, vegans are beginning to drink milk. <laughs> they're beginning to drink milk now. Yeah, because they're saying it's violence-free. Their problem was violence. The reason they stopped drinking the milk was because of the violence. So they agree, yes, now you're not being violent, now we can drink the milk. <laughs> it's amazing. 
just looking after the cows, how much the movement, how the world can become very Krishna conscious. Just this one idea, promote this one idea, cows. Do not kill cows. Do not drink milk cows from cows that are killed. Okay, that will turn the whole world into Krishna conscious. Why? Because Krishna loves his cows so much, if somebody loves his cows, Krishna gives himself to that person. He sits in the hut and says, I'm here. And they see, oh wow, this is nice. This is great. Such a wonderful program. And here we think, oh, I have to read the Vedas. I have to know the shlokas. <laughs> and I'm trying to learn the shlokas and I'm trying to tell them shloka and the person is not interested. <laughs> and I think, what's wrong with that guy? There's nothing wrong with him. It's wrong with us. We're not practicing our faith properly. Our faith says, do not support killing of cows. And we're drinking milk right now that comes from cows that are going to be killed. So we're supporting what is not our own faith. Yes. yes. The temple is now all milk, uh, karma-free milk now. It's called Ahimsa milk. The temple is all Ahimsa milk now. And you can get the milk from the temple. A lot of devotees now coming to the temple and telling the temple, when you get the milk, keep one bottle for me per week or whatever. Some say two bottles per week. Two gallons a week, one gallon a week. So we're all now drinking that milk. It's more expensive, by the way. I can't remember. Seven dollars a gallon. That's good. The temple is at least being kind to us. They're giving us the same price, they're buying it. Normal business will not do that. You buy it seven dollars, they'll sell it ten dollars or fifteen dollars. <laughs> it's a good milk. It's very good milk, yeah. Very good. The quality of Mangalapit sweets has ah, gone up so, so much now. Totally different. Yeah. When I started making sweets out of that, yeah, it's very nice. The yogurt and everything—it's much better quality. And now, because how we did that was we went to the farmer and said that the farmer was doing—they were saying cruelty-free because they were not giving that hormones. They were hormone-free, really. We said, okay, now we'll we'll take over those cows as well. They'll be our cows. When we when they're going to sell it to the. Uh, uh, the slaughterhouse, we said, don't sell it to the slaughterhouse, give it to us. We'll pay you whatever the slaughterhouse pays you for the cows. So the cows become free of being killed, right? So it becomes ahimsa milk now. The milk quality is very high. And of course, this year we're going to have our own cows now that will give our own milk. In October, we're expecting our first calves from our own cows. So when the calves come, then the milk will come as well because the mother will give milk for the calf and we'll get some milk too. That'll come directly also to the temple. So we'll have our original cow milk now. Yeah. And they say original cow milk is more valuable than gold. It's more valuable than gold. This is why for the uh, Brajabasis, their uh, wealth was cow milk products and grains. Because both of these were grown uh, naturally. And they're so valuable, they're so powerful. They were more valuable than gold. They did not consider gold their... Gold was a decoration that they used, that's all. But it wasn't the valuable thing. For them, the valuable thing was how much milk they had and how much grains they had. So the world is going back again. Remember, in the middle, we lost touch of grain also, right, for a long time. We did not like grains. Grain-free meals, they said, eat grain-free uh, meals. Right? A lot of people are eating right now, I know. At our temple, some of our devotees do not eat any grains at all now. No grains. The whole meal is grain-free. But that again is a problem because 
you should eat greens, but the point is the greens now that we're eating are what we call GMO greens. They're genetically modified. So that is why we should not eat those greens either. So now everybody is not eating greens. <laughs> and then what will happen is, no, there's, there's lots of other things you can eat. And then what's happening is, now people are saying, let's sell greens that are not genetically modified. So they're now selling greens that are non-GMO. Actually, other countries in the world have made GMO greens like uh, illegal. If you want to sell GMO green, you have to label it. It's GMO green. America still does not do that because America is still a little uh, offering obeisances to the big business houses that actually create GMO greens. So, but we'll also change. There'll be enough people in America who will create a big fuss about it and it'll happen. Okay, so that's the first thing, that we should live in Vrindavan or constantly meditate on living there. And then the second is that we should render service within one's mind under the direction of a ragatmika devotee. So there are devotees who actually have full longing for Krishna, then we must render service with one's, within one's mind, it says, within one's mind. Why? Because the ragatmika devotees who are on the planet are not considering themselves ragatmika. They are considering themselves raganuga. Because a ragatmika devotee will never think he or she is ragatmika. They will think I'm Raganuga. I'm following somebody who is Ragatmika. I'm just a follower. You see what I'm saying? Plus, it can create confusion. Some people may think they're Ragatmika, they're not. And now if you serve them outside of the mind, you may be wasting your service. But in the mind, you're fine because your mind is pristine. It's staying clean. Its purpose is to become a Ragatmika devotee. So here it's clearly said that you must render service within one's mind under the direction of a Ragatmika devotee. Then, that's the methodology to become a Raganuga Bhakta. Okay, so this is a big topic, obviously. We've taken longer than I thought. There's still another five points to be made under this, well, another four points to be made uh, under this uh, this chapter. So we'll do that later because I don't know what time. What's the time now? 4.20. Yeah. Any questions? I think we went through a lot of questions while we were doing it. So. <laughs> hmm. You're talking about Mother's Day. Today's Mother's Day, yeah. <laughs> Very true. Today's Happy Mother's Day to all of you, our mothers. Yeah, it's a very big day. Mother's Day. Krishna celebrates Mother's Day every day. For him, every day is Mother's Day. And you can see he's the most powerful person, right? So we must honor our mother every day. Every moment in our lives, we honor our mother. Like Krishna's example. We follow Krishna's example. So the movement has learned a lot. There was a time when we didn't have too much respect for our mothers in our movement. And now we have increasing respect, not enough yet. We still need to keep better better. But it's very important. Any good society that lives on this planet, any good culture, is based on love for the mother. And respect of the father. There has to be respect of the father. Father is given awe and reverence, the mother is given love.
That's why the mother has more hold on the children than the father has. Because love is more powerful than more reverence. And for the men, the only solution to that problem is go back to the spiritual world. If you don't like it, get out of here. Go to the spiritual world. Because this is going to be the world of the mothers. It is more and more going like that, and more and more it's going to happen that way. And it's the correct way. At one time, the mothers were in control of this world. They gave up that control because of Indra's sin. So they took over a quarter of his sins and relegated themselves to second position. But they've been paying for that sin for a very long time. And they've more than paid off that sin. So now they need to get back their position. And they are going to get back their position. And a lot of our scripture is going to have to be corrected. Because they're written by people who were in that mode. That that was the reality of the times. Now reality is changing. Reality is changing. I can't remember who was giving class the other day and uh, was saying uh, that, uh, you know, I, that between husband and wife, when we argue, I always have the last word, he said. As the husband, I have the last word. And the last words are, yes, dear. <laughs> <laughs> that gives us a clear story now <laughs> what's happening in this world. Dean Bandhapur was saying that. Oh, yeah, between Rukmini and Oh, yeah, yes, yes. Yeah, it was a discussion between Rukmini and Krishna. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, when Rukmini gets angry, Krishna always uh, immediately behaves himself. Complete correct behavior after that, no, no question about it. You know, even when he was with Radharani, when Rukmini became a little unhappy, he had to follow Rukmini to make sure that she was pacified. Although it's... That's a, that's a very good point you raise. The important thing is that it is not that BBT has made the changes that are what Prabhupada did not say. He, they made the changes about what Prabhupada did say. Because you have to remember when the first Bhagavad Gita was printed, the, most of the people were not very familiar with Prabhupada's accent. And they were rushing to print the Bhagavad Gita. So they were typing all day and night. Some of them would sleep on the typewriter, you know, literally. They would sleep there. They'd wake up and sleep at the typewriter. That's how much. So so some of the words that they actually thought they heard Prabhupada saying were not exactly what Prabhupada said. 
You see what I'm saying? So now they're going through and correcting those. As they're finding the mistakes, they're correcting them. But what is happening is that the book is becoming more what Prabhupada said, not less what Prabhupada is saying. But the people who don't like those changes being made because they feel there's no need to make the changes. Because when Prabhupada was here, those words were working. Why change something that is already working? The counter-argument from BBT is that if somebody hears the exact words of Prabhupada and we say that the Bhagavad Gita is as it is and the words are not what Prabhupada said, then is it as it is? It is not as it is, right? So we have to make those changes. So the BBT is not changing based on what they think is better English or better whatever. It is what they're saying, what Prabhupada wanted to say, what Prabhupada actually wanted to say. And the proof of that is, more people are reading the Bhagavad Gita, more people are becoming devotees. Do you see what I'm saying? The proof of the pudding is in the taste, like we say, right? So in the same way, after Hare Krishna, after the corrections are made, if the efficacy of the Bhagavad Gita increases, then I think Prabhupada would be happy with that. He'd want that to happen. But these are not changes being made to move away from the original Bhagavad Gita. That is not being done. That is simply a group of people who are not happy with the BBT because the BBT has 100% uh, rights over Prabhupada's writings. They're not happy. They feel, why should BBT have control over Prabhupada's? But Prabhupada wanted the BBT to have control. So that's why it has control. Now, it may not be, from a materialistic point of view, the best strategy, but Prabhupada knew why he did what he did, and we don't understand. So better not to change your spiritual master's instructions. You see what I'm saying? So, really, I think what the BBT is doing is, is not wrong. It is trying to follow and do things correctly according to Srila Prabhupada's mood and desires. And those are the two most important things outside of service, which should be done according to the mood and desires, which is the third thing. These three things must always be there. So, ISKCON is trying to more and more, the GVC, BBT, people like this, are more and more trying to make sure that we are very faithful and loyal to what Srila Prabhupada wanted us to do and said what we should do. Mood and instruction. When I first heard this a few years ago, and I was kind of reading a lot of about it, and then at some point, I think it was Bhakti Vikas Maharaj, he kind of gave like a piece-by-piece breakup of how the changes happened uh, from what it was. And he was kind of refuting every reason, and some of those reasons were there which he said, like the way he pronounced something, or how somebody, you know, retired, and so a lot of those reasons were given. So like, you know, I, I kind of dismissed it. Yesterday I just happened by chance to read something. You know, they had quoted a few uh, paragraphs from the Bhagavad Gita before and after the change, and it seemed very compelling to me to read it. Just a small word change, but then the meaning has changed drastically from there. So, I mean, we have no access to the original Muslim of Prabhupada said. So, yeah. And what they're saying is the DVD doesn't have any, uh, right. they know exactly what is going on. Somebody has been interested with that, and they are, he, he or she is doing it. They're not sure what exactly... They're a team. They're a team of devotees who are doing it. Not one person. They're a team of devotees who are doing it. And they do... The GBC requires them to prove their point before they're allowed to make the change. They can't just make the change. They have to prove it that that's correct. And when they 
when the authentic when the authentication group agrees, the Sastric Council agrees that yes, this is a correct change, then they can change it. Now there are places where some changes were made that might have not exactly been that, there might be another reason. And that is that sometimes we did say things in the past that were totally offensive to the culture of whatever culture we're dealing with. And so, again, the BBT can make an adjustment there, because the idea is not to offend anybody's culture. Now, the original devotees don't think like that. They think it is good to offend other people's culture, you know? Whereas the <coughs> Prabhupada never in in intended to offend anybody's culture. He, he spoke the truth, but not the intention was not to offend anybody's culture. In fact, there many times he said things because it was according to the culture. A lot of words that are used in our Bhagavad Gita and uh, Chaitanya Chaitamrita and uh, Bhagavatam come from the Christian lexicon. Comes from the Christian lexicon. Prabhupada's idea was not to promote Christianity. Prabhupada's idea was to promote a Vaishnava thought. But because most of the people that he was reaching out to came from a Christian background, he used their lexicon to explain. So now if we're moving out of that lexicon and going into a lexicon that is a little more wider, can reach out to the Muslims also and to the Hindus also and to you know the other groups also, I don't think there's anything much wrong in doing that either, without changing the meaning. But you can. Literally looking at it, there may be a change in meaning. But if you look at it from the point of view of what is the essence of what is being said, there is no change of meaning. So it's a very compli complicated exercise. Prabhupada said, Krishna consciousness is simple for the simple-hearted. So if we get into those complications, we can complicate ourselves out of Krishna consciousness. You know? Let's put it this way, that those people who are into the original texts don't want these changes to happen. What are they doing in their preaching? How much preaching are they doing? How much are they reaching out to people and making them Krishna conscious and following Prabhupada in every way? Or are they anti-ISKCON people? Are they anti-ISKCON? Because if they're anti-ISKCON, then they're anti-Prabhupada. Because Prabhupada is ISKCON. So that was also kind of what made when they were writing, they kind of added the attack to the senior Vaishnavas. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, they don't spare any senior Prabhupada, uh, 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 what do you call it? Prabhupada disciple. They don't. They spare no one. Not the gurus, not the sannyasis, not the GBCs, not the whoever they might be out there, who are considered very exalted Vaishnavas. They don't spare anybody. That is not our culture. Our culture is, if I disagree with a Vaishnava who is senior to me, I'm not going to broadcast my difference with that person. I'm going to continue doing my Krishna conscious activity. After all, to go back to the forest of Vrindavan doesn't require me to be a popular person. It has nothing to do with popularity. It has to do with my intense individual longing to be uh, uh, Krishna's uh, beloved. How is that something for public consumption? That is not for public consumption. So really, going into the public consumption area and then airing differences, I find that to be distasteful. Honestly, it's distasteful. It is only confusing another uh, devotees, and many innocent devotees may become affected. And by the way, when those innocent devotees become affected, who gets the credit for that? The ones who created the disturbance, right? And you think they can go back to the spiritual world? They can go back to Godhead? I say this again and again, and you know, and I say this, a lot of people think 
your statement doesn't make sense, but it actually makes a lot of sense. Lord Chaitanya's coming to this world is the 15,000 first visit. Lord Chaitanya has already come 15,000 times. Every 8,640,000,000 years, he comes once. First 3,000 sets of those 8,640,000,000 years, he did not come because Brahma couldn't create anything. So then Krishna came and showed him how to create. But after that, every 8,640,000,000 years, Krishna came once, and after that, uh, Lord Chaitanya came, right? So this is the 18,001st day of Brahma right now that we're going through. 18,001st. Take 3,000 out that he didn't create. That leaves 15,001. This is the 15,001st visit of Lord Chaitanya. How come we're still here? We met Lord Chaitanya 15,000 times before this. We did not go back to Godhead. Why? Now let's ask the question, why? This is the reason. We were too smart. We're trying to find differences between devotees. Oh, you got your Bhagavad Gita wrong. You made change. This, that, that. And when you do that thing, you stay back in the material world, right? Because that's exactly the job of the material world. In the material world, your purpose is how to confuse everybody and how to find fault in other people instead of exalting yourself by your pure love for Krishna, by your pure love for Lord Chaitanya. That is our purpose. Our purpose is not showing off to other people how much I know, how smart a devotee I am, how great a devotee I am. In fact, when you do that, you cannot go back to the spiritual world. That door is shut immediately for you. That is why in, 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 in the Vedas clearly says, in Kali Yuga, one should not become a sannyasi. What is the reason that statement is made in the Vedas? Because when you become sannyasi, people will give you respect. People will honor you. People will worship you. Door to backward. Got that? Shut. As soon as you accept the respect, you take the honor, door, shut. Not available. Spiritual, not available for you. But today, so many people are respected. Devotees are respected, right? You don't have to be sannyasi to be respected in Hare Krishna. You don't have to be guru, you don't have to be GBC, you don't have to be temple president, you don't have to be anything. You can be a respected devotee. You accept the respect, door shut. Can't go back to the spiritual world. The spiritual world is not for people who are looking for respect. Those are the weeds. Now we got caught up in the weeds. Now we got stuck in the weeds. We can't get to the real flower. Better to be a simple devotee. Nobody knows you as a real devotee or anything. And just intensely increase your love for Krishna. When you die, you go back to God. When you go to the spiritual and you see, oh my God, I didn't think this person was an important devotee. This person is here holding such high position. Even my position is not as high as his. And I was such a big devotee in the material world. I was respected as a great whatever devotee. Huge danger. Huge, huge, huge danger. How do you deal with The idea is that you accept the respect on behalf of the parampara, the spiritual master and the acharya, particularly Prabhupada. You accept it on behalf of Srila Prabhupada. My guru is the servant of Srila Prabhupada. He wants to please Srila Prabhupada. And when I please Srila Prabhupada, my guru becomes happy with me too. So I do it because I accept it. If somebody gives me respect, I always think they're giving respect to Srila Prabhupada. Why they give respect to Srila Prabhupada? Because he was a pure devotee of Krishna. I am only a follower. I'm a, you know, like you say, following in the footsteps, right? 
they had the, they knew the path, you know, okay, hop in this stone, then you hop on this stone, then you hop on this stone, and you have these stepping stones and you get to the other side, right? So you're just hopping to the same stones that those people who went ahead of us hopped, and they showed us, hop on those stones and you'll be fine. So it's not really me who's doing it, it's the person who actually created that pathway. Who created the pathway? Prabhupada created the pathway. For us, he is our Acharya. So we have to accept on behalf. And then, we also have to show love and respect to that person. Not that I just receive the love and respect and I show nothing back to that person who gives me love and respect. In fact, I have to also give love and respect to that person. But only because that person is trying to become a devotee. Now, if somebody is not trying to do it, a lot of time people fall at my feet, touch my feet, I don't care about them. But they're not interested in becoming devotees. They're only doing it because it's going to give them good punya. You know what I mean? They're doing it because they want punya so that they can have a nice house, nice car, nice bank balance. But devotees don't do it for that reason. Devotees do it because they want to show love to a devotee. They might offer their obeisances to the devotee or touch the feet or something like that. Those devotees are your equals and seniors. They're not your juniors. They're your equals and seniors. You have to show them a lot of love and respect. You have to see what they want and things like that. That's why a lot of people wonder, why I go to some places and give classes where those devotees are simple-hearted, so I'll go and give class, even though I could have been doing something else. That might have been much more important work. For me, the most important work is to serve the devotee. There is nothing more important than serving the devotee. Why? Because the devotee is the most beloved to Krishna. So when you serve the devotee and you take care of their needs, then Krishna thinks, okay, I can take care of yours too then. I can take care of you too. Then my... Because, put it this way, 15,000 times Lord Chaitanya came and I did not go back to Godhead. The reason I did not go, I know exactly why I did not go. I did not go because I was too puffed up. I was too interested in the weeds. And I got caught up in the weeds. This time, I'm going to be blind to the weeds. I'm not interested in the weeds. I'm going to stay focused. I'm going to stay focused on that. And I might say things and do things that offend people. There's no offense uh, intended. The only thing is, please be focused. Please accept this focus. And get out of this world, because then 15,002 is not going to be easy either. 15,001 we fail, okay, then we come back for 15,002, right? If you fail 15,000 times, there's a good chance you're going to fail another 15,000 times. And by the way, after the 30,000 is over, then everything goes back into Vishnu's body. So now you end up inside Vishnu's body again and wait until he breathes out again. Then he breathes out and you come out again. And now how many cycles have we gone through that type of thing? I'm only saying 15,000 times. I think I'm being very generous. It may be millions of times that Lord Chaitanya has come and we've not gone back. How many times did you go back inside Vishnu's body, come out again, go back inside Vishnu's body, came out again, go back inside Vishnu's body? Because we're so stubborn. I want to enjoy in this world. I am the enjoyer. And enjoyment is two types, gross and subtle. Gross enjoyment you can give up like this because you can identify it, right? Subtle enjoyment is very hard to give up. Subtle enjoyment is, you know, those things that... You have to really think hard to know this is enjoyment. It doesn't look like enjoyment, you know. Subtle enjoyment is like saying, I'm a devotee. That's subtle enjoyment. I'm a devotee. Subtle enjoyment right there. That means you can't go back to the spiritual world. You're trying to enjoy. Position, no? Devotee. Just like king, master, this, that, and the other. Position. So, devotee, position. Well, then finish. At two Brutus, then fall Caesar. That's Brutus. And then we fall. 
very easy to fall in this world. Too many things tripping us up. So this, all this actually is our indication to us that Krishna consciousness is, is intensely individual. It is intensely individual. It is not a group activity. Group activity is to encourage us to be intensely individually advancing. That's why the group activity is there. It is, it's a place where others who also want to have intense individual advancement come. And therefore, we encourage each other to be very, very truthful in our Krishna consciousness, to be very faithful, to be very honest, you know, to be very loyal to this path. The gopis, if you hear the stories of the gopis of Vrindavan, and you hear like pastimes, you read in Shivaram Maharaj's books and other places like that. This is why people should buy Shivaram Maharaj's books, you know, because they, they talk about these pastimes. You can see the gopis, they are so selfless, you know. They're so much into Krishna's happiness that they put themselves in really nasty positions just to be pleasing to Krishna. Just to please Krishna. The type of things they do, we think to ourselves, how can someone do that? Just like yesterday, the example, did you hear that the past, past time that uh, um, Dean Bandhu was speaking about? There's this very old lady in Vrindavan, in Mathura, who was from a very low caste, and she lost her husband, so she had no way to earn money to take care of herself. So she decided, I'll buy fruit from this side, and I'll cross the river and sell it on the other side. Because, you know, you took, have to come to this side to get fruit from the market, go back to the other side. A lot of people won't do that, right? They prefer someone can come on that side and give us the fruit. It'll be better. So she decided that's what she'll do. So she would daily buy fruits from this side, cross the river, cross the Yamuna, go on the other side and sell fruit. And as she's going selling fruit, she would chant, you know, you know, kele, 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 you know, like the name of the fruit, right? You know, apul, 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 whatever it is, you know, they, you know how they, in India they, they, they call out the name of the vegetable or the fruit while they're selling, right? So she does that. But on the other side was Vrindavan. On this side was Mathura, on the other side was Vrindavan. So she would go to Vrindavan and sell fruit. And there, the people are all talking about Krishna. Oh, he's so beautiful. Did you see his necklace today he was wearing? Did you see his eyes? They look so beautiful. And she kept hearing these stories about Krishna. And then, she thought she was calling out the name of the fruit, but she was actually chanting Krishna's names. She was chanting, Govinda, Govinda, you know, uh, 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 Damodar, Damodar, like that. And she would sing. Govinda, Govinda, Damodar, Damodar. And she would sing like that because she would sing the name of the fruit. And she was thinking she was singing the name of the fruit, but actually she's singing the names of Krishna. And her intensity increased, that longing, it says, yeah, intensity increased to know Krishna. And so she thought to herself one day, I have to find Krishna, I have to see this Krishna. I mean, my life is useless if I don't see Krishna, now that I know what I know about him. So then she found out that Krishna stays in a certain place, mother's name is Yashoda, father's name is Nanda Baba. If you go there, then... So she went there, and she, and she was there, and she was singing the name of the fruit, but actually she's taking Krishna's name. So Krishna was sitting inside the castle, I mean, Nanda Baba's castle, and she hears, hears some lady is singing my name. So he looks out of the door to see who's singing my name there. And he sees this lady walking with these fruits. And he thinks, oh, I must get some of the fruit. He wanted to eat the fruit. So he goes, because at that time, 
you know, money only came 2,000 years ago in this world. Before that, there was no money. People used to barter. That's how they used to get things from one another. And so he went and he put his hand in the, little hand in the, his mother's uh, grain, uh, what do you call, uh, you know, receptacle to get some grains out of there. And because his hands were so small and he didn't know how to, all the grains were falling out. And he was running with these grains to this lady to give her some grains so that she would give him some fruit, you know. And so she sees him. And she says, this is the boy. Because they said he was blue in color and his eyes were so beautiful. This is the exact description. What I was hearing about Krishna, this is the exact description. You know? And so she looks at him. She's just looking at him. And Krishna is saying that she's trying to look at me. She should be selling her fruit. But she's more interested in looking at me. So she, he asks her, what, what's happening here? And she said, she can see that he's got this little grain in his hands that he's come to barter for the fruit. And she knows that most of the grain has fallen out. It's got a little hand, you know, little grains in it. And she wants some fruit. But she's still, he's so beautiful that she feels to herself, this is all I wanted. I, I got everything that I wanted. After seeing him, I got everything I wanted. So she says to him, you want some fruit? And he says, yes. He says, I will give you fruit, but you have to do something for me. So what do I have to do for you? You have to come and sit on my lap and you have to look into my eyes and say, Maya. Maya means mother. Just say mother to me, that's all. Look into my eyes and say mother and I'll give you as much fruit as you want. So he looks around, you know, to see if anybody's looking because, you know, she's from a very low caste. To sit on a low caste woman's lap, people will criticize, right? Oh, the king's son sitting on a low caste woman's lap, what was he doing? What was she doing? Was she molesting him? You know, you never know what people think, right? So he's looking around to see nobody's looking. Then he quickly jumps on her lap, looks into her eye and says, Maya, and he jumps off the lap again before anybody can see him that he's sitting on her lap. You know, and she becomes so happy, so she gives him all the fruit. She puts the basket down and says, okay, take whatever you want. You know, and she keeps looking at him. She doesn't look at what fruit he's taking from the, from the she's just looking at him because she's so happy to see him. And, and he called her Maya. I mean, she's been elevated to the highest position in creation. She's the mother of God. You know? So uh, then, uh, so then uh, he goes away, takes the fruit, and he's got a lot of fruit, and he's trying to, you know, juggle all the fruit while he's walking, you know. <laughs> he's got all this fruit, and she can see that, and she waits until he's completely gone. Because just the sight of him was enough for her, you know. And she was so happy. Then she picks up the basket, puts it on the head, and continues to the river to go to the other side. And when she comes to the river, she realizes this basket is very heavy. This basket was not as heavy when I came. How it became so heavy? Because she comes back to her consciousness. You know, now that she's seen Krishna, she comes back to her consciousness. So she puts the basket down to see what happened. And she sees the basket is full of these beautiful gems and jewelry and gold and all these things, and she's, all of them, really beautiful. She, I've never seen so much wealth in my life. This is so much wealth. So she takes the basket and throws it into the Yamuna. And then she crosses on the other side, and she just sings, sings the name of Krishna. She doesn't even want to go and buy any more fruit. She just walks around like a mad woman, just singing the names of Krishna, singing the names of Krishna, and then she dies. She falls down, she dies. And the people see a dead woman, so they take her and they burn her, you know, do the cremation. 
and threw the ashes into the Ganga. And she was gone. And the Acharyas say she was the best devotee. She was what? The best devotee. So if you think about that, you know, we all aspire for so many things in this world that we think are of value to us, you know. But the real value is Krishna himself. There is no value. Aside from Krishna, there is no value. Prabhupada, in fact, was so humble. He would say to people, I am not important. I am not any value. Krishna is the person of value. Don't trust me. Trust Krishna. That's what he used to say. And he was the most trustworthy person you can find, Prabhupada. Because his only interest was how you can have some, how you can have Krishna. That's all. That's the person you can really trust. You may not trust anybody else, but you can trust a person who wants to give you the most valuable thing in creation. For little or no price. Right? Imagine that the car salesman of this world was selling the most expensive, you know, Rolls Royce. And when you walk into the showroom, they give it to you for a dollar. I mean, you'll trust those salespeople, right? You'll say, these are the best salespeople in the world. We can trust them. They give us a product that's worth so much for so little. That's the devotee. The devotee is trying to give people Krishna. He's giving people the greatest thing for very little. What? Just chant the holy names of Krishna. That's all. Listen to the pastimes of Krishna. That's all. In your heart, develop a longing. In your heart, from your heart, serve the people who are actually giving you that message. Listen to them so that they can tell you how you should behave in your life. Because their only interest is how you can have Krishna. Because the fastest way I can have Krishna is to help somebody else get Krishna. That's the fastest way I can get. If I try myself, it's not so easy. But if I try to get somebody else to have Krishna, then Krishna gives himself to me very quickly. You see what I'm saying? So this is why preaching is the most powerful Preaching is, we say, the essence. So you mentioned Yeah. He's not giving unfavor. He's, he's giving a choice, right? He's giving a choice. You can enjoy this wealth or you can detach yourself from it. Your choice. It all depends on how much you love me. If you love me a lot, then I'm not, the wealth is not as important. But if you love me less, then the wealth is more important. And he's okay with that, by the way. We've missed Krishna, Lord Chaitanya, 15,000 times. Does that mean Lord Chaitanya is not interested in us? He's come back 15,001, just like he never came before, and said, please accept Krishna. Krishna is so loving. He forgives us unlimited number of times. Unlimited number of times he forgives us. You see what I'm saying? But he's waiting. When is it my choice that I want Krishna? Not somebody's choice and I'm accepting. No, my choice. My sincere longing, you know. To have sincere longing for Krishna starts from inside, from the heart. We have to keep telling ourselves, I love Krishna. Oh, Krishna is my most important friend. He is the one I love the most. Oh, Krishna, I love you the most. You've got to keep saying this to yourself. Because as you keep saying this to yourself, you will find yourself doing more and more for Krishna. Because Krishna will know, he's trying, he's trying, he's trying, she's trying, she's trying. And then he'll help. Dadami buddhi yogam tam. He will help. It's not easy because of the complicated past we have had where we have been so interested in other things other than Krishna. Even now, we are more interested in other things than Krishna. 
I mean, if Krishna was to come here now and say, okay, I'm here, all of you can come back to Godhead with me right now. Right now, you can come back. Are all of us ready to go back? Well, someone's going to say, Krishna will come, come back tomorrow so I can just file my taxes, make sure my wife does not get affected by my tax uh, arrangement. I can just sign all my bank accounts over to my wife. Just make sure she knows where all I've hid the money, you know, where I hid the money, so that she knows where all the money is. So she can be happy. I want my children to be happy. I want my wife to be happy. Give me one day. I'll get everything organized. Then we'll go. Then Krishna will say, good, you organize. That's why you're in the material world anyway, to organize. But are we ready to say, yes, Krishna, I'm ready. I'm ready to go with you. I'm not qualified, but now that you've given me the opportunity, I'm going to jump for this opportunity. Let's do it right now. Let's leave. Let's go. Wherever you want to go. Whether you want to go to hell, whether you want to go to heaven, whether you want to go to Goloka Bindavan, you want to go to Shweta Dvipa, wherever you want to go, I'm with you. Let's go. How many of us would are, will do that? That is the question. That is the most important question in our life. Prabhupada said it's all about three words. Are you convinced that it is all Krishna? It's all Krishna. It's not an easy thing, I can tell you. Crux time comes. Oh, the real story comes out. What am I? It's like, you know, when you get a person drunk, now you can get the real story out. They'll spill everything after they get drunk, right? You get them to drink enough, now all the words come out. <laughs> all the secrets will suddenly start coming out. What they really think about you, and you know, what they really think, or they might know something they've been holding back, everything <laughs> spills out, you know. And for us, it's the same. Crux time comes, we can tell what a person really wants in their life. So all this we're doing only for one reason, and that is asking everybody, please give up your attachment for other things. Be attached to other things because it is necessary for you to be responsible. We're not irresponsible, but internally be totally attached to Krishna. Externally be totally attached to everything else. No problem. Be very attached to husband, wife, wealth, job, business, occupation, dog, cat, whatever you want. Be very attached. I, we have no problems externally. Internally, sorry. Only one person. Lord Chaitanya, Lord Krishna. That's all I'm attached to. That's my internal attachment. I know that. Externally, I have to be real. I can't be unreal. I can't reject people around me who are relying on me, who Krishna has put in my relationship so that they can also become detached and internally fully attached because that's what I can do for my relatives and friends too, right? Tell them, please, you also do the same thing. Be totally attached internally. Now, some of us can also show that attachment outside. For those of us who are sannyasis, gurus, we can show that outside as well. But the only reason we show that outside is because we don't want the world to think we are duplicious. Internally we're thinking one thing, externally we're doing another thing. No, externally we're trying to do, but because the world is swimming the other way, we have to a little take account of that swimming going the other way too. We're swimming this way and they're swimming this way. So sometimes you've got to swim like this, you know? <laughs> you can't just keep swimming that way and they feel they're going that way and they oh, you're a rascal, you know, you're a bad person, you're a hateful person, we don't love you. And now they can't take to Krishna consciousness. No, so we have to a little play the game with them, you know? 
And okay, no, you're right, you're good, yeah, you should earn some money, you should take care of your husband, wife, and dog is good, cat is good, you know, everything's working out, you know. I'm fine, you're fine, everyone's fine, you know, like that. A little bit. And then when you get close enough, you tell them, you know, it's not like that. It's not really like that. <laughs> you know, we're not all fine, we're suffering here, please. Think, we're suffering. Why don't you develop some attachment focus? Lord Chaitanya and Lord Krishna. Then you will become happy, really happy. And here's an example. Look, these people, they're dancing, singing, they're eating food. They're happy. We can also be happy. So people little start thinking along those lines. And then, look, all of us, right, at one time, we were not interested in Krishna consciousness. At one time, none of us were interested in Krishna consciousness. Today, we are so interested in Krishna consciousness. Why? Because somebody came to us and little, you know, played the game with us and got us in. One way or another got us in. Different ways for different people. Krishna sitting in the heart sometimes would play games with us, tell us things in the heart. We didn't quite understand. Then later on we could understand. Then we became interested in Krishna. Then we became more interested in Krishna. And then we became only interested in Krishna. There are three things. Doing the right thing in the right way, the best things in the best way, and the very best things in the very best way. You should learn these three things. Do the right thing in the right way, the best things in the best way, and the very best things in the very best way. The right thing in the right way is that we are in the material world, we have to do certain, do certain things in a certain way, so that we can live in the material world in peace and harmony with other living entities. The best thing is to understand that I am spirit soul, and therefore to act on the platform of the soul is the best thing to do. Right? But you have to do it in the best way also. The right thing also, you have to do it in the right way. If you do the right thing in the wrong way, that's not helpful. Best thing in the wrong way also is not helpful. Best thing in the best way. The very best thing is to understand, Krishna is my beloved and I am Krishna's beloved. That is my original position. Is I am from the forest of Vrindavan. I am a forest dweller. What can you expect from a forest dweller? You know, Simple-hearted forest dweller, please. All I know is how to love Krishna. I don't know anything else. And you do the very best you can in that. You got it. You've got to keep three running at the same time. All these three things got to run at the same time. Then once you're out of the material world, then it's only the very best of the very best. No more good and best. Only very best. But until we're in the material world, we have to accept the ways of the material world. We have to accept. We can't fight that. If we fight that, it'll be okay for us, but it will not be okay for others. Because those we are fighting, they will become discouraged. They will think devotees are bad people. I don't want to become a devotee. Well, that's not very good. That's not a very good idea. Okay, thank you very much. Yes, so go ahead. That's right. That's right. Because we think without me, something will not happen. And there are some times when we are so important to what is happening that without us things will not work out. But they will work out actually. They have worked out in the past. People have died untimely and their business has continued, their family has continued, things have continued. You know? In terrible circumstances, things have continued. But somehow we think, because we are many controllers, no? we also each for us. So we think without me it won't happen. I'm indispensable, but none of us is indispensable. 
we are indispensable to Krishna, by the way. And so we have become irresponsible towards Krishna by not behaving indispensably towards Krishna. That is the only thing we are indispensable. Everything else we are totally dispensable. All right, thank you very much.